The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm still on a high from that kid's song. Wasn't that amazing? I don't know where they get all that energy. Apparently, we have some energetic parents in the room as well. It's a heritage thing, isn't it? Um, listen, as we prepare to hear from God's word, would you mind if I said one more quick word of prayer? So um, please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth in the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, we have been making our way through the Gospel of Mark, one of the books of the Bible, this spring and this summer. And we come to chapter 9. And we're going to unpack some of chapter 9, this story called the Transfiguration, that is bizarre and brilliant. But I first want to begin with a simple question, which is this. Did any of you see the fireworks on the 4th of July? Raise your hand. Did anyone see the fireworks on Daniel Island the 4th of July? Raise your hand. You know, uh, my family and I, we didn't know what to expect, so we just wandered down to Smythe Lake to watch the fireworks at, uh, on Daniel Island. It was actually, the event was July 3rd, and there were thousands of people gathered around Smythe Lake, and I saw several of you. Some of you were by yourselves. Some were clustered with friends. We even had community groups represented there, kind of a tailgating picnic scene. It was brilliant. There were food trucks. It, it far uh, surpassed our expectations even before the fireworks began. And... Uh, we found ourselves on the, the south side of Smythe Lake with some of you. And I tell you what, we were probably 40 yards away, 50 yards away from the actual fireworks with, with no, nothing obstructing our view. And um, it, it started, the fireworks began around 9.15. And, and in traditional fashion, you, you have the big ones go up like this. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a cute little island fireworks show. And then things change. All of a sudden, these funnels of red smoke and bright colors just like up from the ground, like right in front of us. It seemed rather dangerous. There were police and fire, firemen everywhere around there. They had blockaded it off. Nonetheless, these funnels of red were, were hitting, hitting the sky. And then all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden, these specific fireworks started blowing up everywhere, like cotton candy explosions or popcorn fire, like ta-ta, 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 ta-ta. And they were brilliant. And then the red ones again, and then ta-ta, ta-ta. And, and people were screaming. I might have been screaming, Chris. We were, I might have been screaming. I know Dr. Anderson was screaming. We were screaming, and uh, it was brilliant, right? And, and, and it was the, the explosions, the brightness. It was like, I know, so exciting, Ellery. The brightness was right in front of us, and it was electric. But as the, the older I've gotten, the more I've, I've turned from just enjoying the show to actually enjoying the glow of the show on the faces around me. To turn and see my kids in their eyes dance with wonder. And to see some of you and get excited and scream, Mike Banks. Some of you get so excited. And I was screaming as well. And that, in a sense, is a picture of our passage today. I think the main idea, the big point to take away this morning from our passage is this. We are all invited to see and glow with the very glory of God by drawing near to Jesus. Let me repeat that. We are invited to see and glow with the very glory of God by drawing near to Jesus. Specifically, we see this in three different senses. First, we're invited to follow Jesus in the present. Second, we're invited to understand Jesus through the past. And third, we're invited to trust Jesus with our future. So we're going to unpack these points over the next few minutes. Let's dive in. Point number one, we're invited to follow Jesus in the present. The scripture we read, it began, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. A little backdrop of our passage. Uh, last week, we, we, we talked about Mark 8. And for those who weren't here, you can listen to it by going online to our website under worship. And uh, it was an awkward passage. It was a hard passage. Uh, through the first eight chapters of Mark, we have Jesus healing people, declaring good news, gospel, um, exercising demons like heaven, colliding with earth and good things coming about. And then at the end of Mark 8, he gets dark. And there's this tension with his disciples. He turns from reaching the world to the very reaching Jerusalem. His, guy, his eyes from Mark chapter 8 on have a singular gaze, and that's the cross. In fact, Peter, he'd say to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter would say, you're the Christ. And we think Peter's got it. But then a few verses later, Peter's rebuking Jesus. And then Jesus, in turn, is rebuking Peter and saying, get behind me, Satan or accuser, for you don't know the mind of God. And you see, what we unpacked last week is that Jesus wasn't going to come in might. He was going to come in mercy. He was the Christ, but he wasn't the Christ that they expected or perhaps that we expect. And so in this passage, you can imagine that these disciples are discouraged. 
And what does Jesus do? He says, follow me up the mountain. You see, he moves them from discouragement to encouragement, breathing courage into their hearts and lives yet again. You see, following the correction he offered in Mark 8, he then cultivates connection with his followers. It reminds me of a story of my friend Dave Tilly. Dave Tilly's an interesting bird. He's been and worshiped with us, uh, been here a few times, but he lives up in Connecticut in Metro New York City, and uh, that's where we had moved from uh, several years ago. At one point in high school, his son got in a lot of trouble. His son got caught partying. And Dave said, Dan, what's going on? And Dan really didn't give a reply. And he's like, no, what's going on, Dan? You know better in this, right? Dan really didn't offer much of a reply. He said, Dan, get in the car. So Dan gets in the car with his dad, and they start driving. And an hour goes by. Two hours go by. Finally, Dan says, Dad, where are we going? And his dad says, North. They drive through Massachusetts. They're driving through Vermont, through Canada. Why? Because Dave recognizes there's um, a division. There's a break in their relationship, and he wants to reconnect with his son. And he says, son, I want to reconnect with you. I want to know what's going on. And Dan's thinking, you're crazy. You're a crazy dad. And he's like, well, I'm going to keep driving north until we connect. And he finally cracks. The sun finally cracks, and they reconnect, and the relationship has never been the same since. And so it was with Dan and his dad, Dave, and so it is with the disciples and us. What's interesting about this passage is um, it's, it's not a bunch of rules. Rather, it's a picture of relationship. You maybe have heard that before. Jesus is saying, get away with me, Kelsey. Get away with me, Daniel. Let's reconnect. Let's cultivate this connection. So the first way we're invited to draw near to Jesus is by following him and growing in our relationship with him. Point number two, we're invited to then understand Jesus through the past. Scripture goes on, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus, and Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good we're here. Uh, let us make three tents, uh, one for you and for Moses and Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. You got to ask, what in the heck is going on in this passage? They go up to mountain, and all of a sudden, Jesus is transformed. It says uh, his, his clothes, his very presence, became like lightning. Brighter than the sun. They had to shield their faces. His presence was so bright. And then we've got Elijah and Moses from the Old Testament. Ah, oh, this is one of those weird passages. Myth, fable, or is it? You know, as I think of this part of the passage, I can't help but think about my own experience or relationship with lightning. Now, some of you know me. Some of you have been fishing with me. Lightning and I have a, a love-hate relationship. And my wife, Carly, said, hey, you shared a lot of lightning stories. Make sure you don't repeat the story. And I think I have a story you've never heard. So we got married. I was 20 years old. 
We just celebrated 20 years of marriage. Isn't that amazing? I didn't think I'd live that long. And I didn't know she'd love me that long. But nonetheless, we just celebrated 20 years. And we still had, I had a semester of college left once we were married. She was already graduated. And for our honeymoon, we said, let's go camp around the United States for just under three months. So we packed up a van, put a bed in the back, and our goal was just to camp, visit all these state parks. We found ourselves in Santa Fe, New Mexico, gorgeous little city, and we saw mountains, and we said, we're gonna climb those mountains, we're gonna camp on those mountains. So we parked at a trailhead, and guys, this is before something called a cell phone, okay? This is way back when. At least I didn't have a cell phone. And even to check the weather, you had to go to a little coffee shop. You didn't have data plans where you could go to weather.com. You didn't have that, right? Can I get an amen? We didn't have that, kids. Listen, so you either had to open up a newspaper. Y'all, um, young people, that's, that's these big pieces of paper. Um, listen, and we didn't do that. I didn't have time for that. I was on my honeymoon. So we parked at a trailhead, and we hiked up like three miles to the highest mountain, if my memory's correct, in uh, New Mexico, in that area. There were no more trees where we hiked. And I love ascending those mountain peaks where you can see the valley and you can see the mountain ranges, right? Like Shining Rock Wilderness area, north of Brevard, anyone been there? But even higher. And, and we set up our tent right on the, the peak and I was like, we've made it. We've made it in life. And so, I forget what we ate that night. All I know is about midnight or 1, 1 a.m., an enormous storm, an electrical storm showed up. And it was horrifying. It was like a cartoon, like the black cloud. There's Paul and Carly. Kaka! Kaka! And I had learned, I'm a special hiker, I had learned that, probably from a hiker's magazine, that you're supposed to get on all fours during a lightning storm if you can't find cover. And we were taking cover in this tent with metal poles on top of this mountain during a lightning storm. We were there for at least an hour on all fours. I said, babe, I think we're going to be okay. She's like, what do you, what do you mean you think we're going to be okay? Pow, And I said, finally, we're running for our lives. <laughs> so in the middle of the night, I don't even think we had headlamps back then. We had just old school flashlights. We're running down the mountain like three miles. And somehow, Carly ran into a barbed wire fence in the middle of the night. I, she still has scars on her legs from that, an old fence. And, but we're here. We made it. Right? Praise be to God. Yeah. So I and my family, we have a unique relationship with lightning. When lightning shows up, it wakes you up. It's electric. It's powerful. It's terrifying. And guys, if you unpack this passage... This was an electrifying and terrifying physical experience for these followers of Jesus. This isn't a cookie cutter uh, little children's story. It was terrifying. So much that Peter just blabbed something that made no sense. Nonetheless, thank you Peter, it was terrifying for them physically, but it was also terrifying and electric spiritually. Why? Who were Elijah? Who were Moses? Why were they on a mountaintop? Listen to these words from theologian Kent Hughes. Why Elijah and Moses? Both these men had previously conversed with God on mountaintops. Moses on Mount Sinai and Elijah on Mount Horeb. 
These both had been shown God's glory. Both also had famous departures from this earth. Moses died on Mount Nebo, and God had buried him in a grave known only to himself. Elijah was taking up in what? A chariot of fire. Moses was the great lawgiver. Elijah was the great prophet. Moses was the founder of Israel's religious economy, and Elijah was the um, restorer of it. Together, they were the ultimate summary of the Old Testament economy. Let me make it simple. All of the Old Testament can be traced through these two men to Jesus, to this moment. It's as if the veils of heaven were being ripped back. It's as if the veils of history were being ripped back and these three disciples were getting an insider glimpse and glance of God's glory found where? In Jesus. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself would write these words, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Later, the Apostle Paul would write these words, All the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we, are, that we utter our amen, which means yes, to God for his glory. The veils of heaven and history were being torn back for them and being torn back for us. Why? To see Jesus for who he is and why he came. Every yes that we long for is found in him. You know, uh, in college, I had this kind of come back to Jesus moment. But I didn't believe all this stuff. I'd, I'd open passages like this. Jesus turned in the lightning. Does disciples scared? Elijah, Moses, this is myth. This is fable. And my professor, Lyle Dorset, who would become a dear mentor of mine, former atheist history professor, he said, I challenge you, Paul, start reading the Bible and then get back to me. We're not going to have any more conversations about what you think you know or don't know. And I said, I, I really can't believe this, some of these passages. And then guess what? I spent the next year reading the Bible all the way cover to cover. And I, by the end, I was like, I cannot believe this. Throughout history, different people have sought to understand Jesus, what this Bible is all about. You see, we're invited to understand Jesus through the past and understand all the scriptures through him. Not to turn our brains off, but actually just the opposite. I invite you, turn your brain on and seek Jesus and see what you'll discover. Seek him in the Old Testament. Seek him in the New. We're invited to understand Jesus, not just follow him. And point number three, we're invited to trust Jesus with our future. The passage goes on. And the cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Have you ever waited for someone you love for a long time? Um, a couple weeks ago, I came across this story uh, via Facebook, and it's actually one of your stories. I didn't get permission to share it by name, so it's going to be an anonymous story. 
But there were a couple pictures in a little blurb about this person's family. You see, this person's husband works uh, out of the state, is based out of the state. And he was coming home, and their son, their only son who's at the house, heard that his dad was coming home. And you know how certain houses, they have fences and gates to come in the front yard? The son went out to the front gate and stood there waiting for his dad. And the mom took a snapshot of it and posted it online and said, "Uh, this is my son and he's waited over 30 minutes for his dad's return. And then then the the story goes on. Then there's another picture. And it's the son, excuse me, the, the dad wrapping his arms around the son, embracing his son with all of his love upon his return. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of that family, and it's a beautiful picture of this passage. Why? Because when God would show up and show off his love in the Old Testament, he would always come via a cloud, a luminous cloud known as his Shekinah glory. And it said this cloud has descended and enveloped, overshadowed, wrapped the disciples, wrapped us in this love. If you remember when the Israelites were liberated from Egypt, God led them through the desert, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, Exodus 13. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. And you get this picture of this cloud, this kind of mysterious cloud, where it's the manifestation of God's love coming down to reclaim and to guide his people again and again and again. It happened with the Israelites and Moses in the desert. As they were setting up the tabernacle, sometimes it would be so strong that they couldn't enter the tabernacle. You know, when Solomon built the temple of God, on the day of dedication, the presence of God, the Shekinah glory, fell so strongly in that place, no one could enter it. What this passage is saying is that that glory, that presence, that love has come down to you and to me and to these three. And sometimes it would be so bright You couldn't look at it. And sometimes when people were in the presence of this cloud, God's presence, they would walk away glowing, radiant. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, these words are recorded. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. So what's this passage trying to say? What's God trying to say in this moment? He's saying this. If you want to see my glory, if you want to fully understand my love, look to him. Look to Jesus. Do you need my glory? Do you need my love to invade your life? Look to my son, Jesus. We're not only invited to follow him out of our discouragement, We're invited to understand him, and then we're invited to trust him. So in summary, we're invited to see and glow with the very glory of God by drawing near to Jesus. In three senses. One, follow him. 
Two, understand him. And three, trust him. So here's the question for all of us. What is God calling you to do today? What is God calling us to do today? As your pastor, I know some of you are heavily discouraged today. Some of you feel super disconnected from God, like you've really let him down, and you're afraid to come into his presence. In Jesus, we're invited to draw near and to follow him and have our relationship reconciled and cultivated so he can love us right where we're at. Some of you have never fully accepted the challenge or the invitation to take this whole thing seriously. For some of you, it's myth and fable. But this passage begs to differ. All of the scriptures beg to differ. I challenge you, if you're someone for your sake, for your marriage, for your kids, whatever, I challenge you to take the scriptures seriously. Yes, yes. I hear the groaning. Or, or, or maybe it's a baby crying. And if you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. One chapter a day. Then jump, jump over to the book of Romans after that. And then come to myself, come to Pastor Jim, to Kathy, one of our staff. We'll help you to dive into the scriptures. It will change your life. Follow him. Seek to understand him. And then lastly, trust him. Do you need help? Turn to Jesus do you need hope? Listen to him. Do you want God's very presence to fall on your life and invade your life? Trust in him. God says in another way in this passage, this is my son and he's marked by my love and he's given to you. What will you do with that today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, we ask that you would search our hearts and search this room and draw us close to you. Some in here today are discouraged and they need to have their relationship with you rekindled. And they need to follow you afresh. If that's you today, I invite you to silently just pray, Jesus, I want to follow you. Love me where I am. Some of you, you're being challenged and invited to dive into God's word. If that's you, say, God, I want to seek you and know you through your word. Help me. And some of you need to trust him this day. Some of you either are struggling with addiction or others are struggling with it in your midst. Some of you are going through divorces. Some of you are longing for relationship, longing for direction. If that's you, I just encourage you to say, Jesus, I trust you with my future today. God, hear our hearts, and we accept the promise when we seek you with, with any and all, we'll find you. The invitations knock and the door will be open. God, open our relationship with you in a fresh way today. May we see you and shine in your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.